voice is good? Voice good? Voice good. Voice, voice is the voice good? You know you want it loud. 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 I can't hear you. What? And you're listening to the loud. Too loud. <laughs> you're listening to loudspeaker. Howdy, everyone. This is Loudspeaker, and I'm Matt Weibel. Let's be real. Relationships aren't easy. While the coming together of two people has its joys and celebrations, it can also bring its share of 808s and heartbreaks. Okay, not so much the 808s, but definitely the heartbreaks. The development of a relationship involves many trials, and one of the biggest tests involved in a couple's progression is fidelity. It seems simple enough, right? Just stay emotionally and sexually faithful to another person. However, recent statistics are showing some interesting facts about monogamy. In a 2010 survey, 35 to 55% of people stated that they were happy in their marriage at the time of their infidelity. Furthermore, the participants mentioned their sex and family lives had nothing to do with their affair. So, what made them cheat? Instincts? Actually, when it comes to the quote-unquote circle of life, most animals are not monogamous. For example, scientists believed that fidelity was for the birds. Literally. It was reported that about 90% of birds were perceived to be strictly monogamous. However, after more testing, scientists found out that that wasn't the case. DNA fingerprinting showed that most fathers of the nest weren't actually the biological fathers of the birds. Think Maury but with birds. It actually gets even worse with our closest animal relatives. In a 2013 Huffington Post article, less than 9% of mammal species paired up socially, and only about 25% of the primate species are socially monogamous. So we've got nature against us when it comes to being faithful. But for as long as we've known, monogamy has been the way to be in a relationship. Additionally, family, religion, and culture have each played a unique role in shaping how we view this subject. Not to say that their teachings are necessarily bad, but there is another side to the story. Today on Loudspeaker, Evan Mann explains more about the monogamy dichotomy. Kristen Stewart had it all. A hit Hollywood franchise, tons of adoring fans, and a boyfriend who looked like Edward Cullen. But their happily ever after came to an end when she was photographed locking lips with director Rupert Sanders. Stewart apologized in December 2012, saying, I just wasn't ready to love someone like that. But I hope someday I am. Turns out the actress isn't alone. The National Council on Family Relations reported in 2012 that while 98% of Americans believe monogamy is the best way to love someone, cheating has become a more prevalent and normative cultural practice. The November 2012 journal Family testifies that infidelity occurs in anywhere from 20 to 55% of monogamous relationships. Sociologist Eric Anderson, fascinated by these findings, pioneered a study to uncover the relationship between our culture's competing desires for monogamy and recreational sex, a phenomenon he calls the monogamy gap. 
The New York Times of February 24, 2013 predicts that 75% of the relationship-seeking population will experience infidelity by 2020. Eric Anderson claims an understanding of the monogamy gap will help us avoid this fate. Therefore, it's imperative to unpack the background and methods of Anderson's study before analyzing the results in order to explore the important implications, pointing to what the Atlantic of January 20th, 2013 calls a vastly different future of romantic interaction. Scientists have long been fascinated by romantic relations, but the June 2011 American anthropologist notes that, unlike other significant narratives, monogamy is rarely subjected to academic criticism. In 2010, Eric Anderson made a significant contribution with the publication of his study, At Least With Cheating, There Is an Attempt at Monogamy. To contextualize his findings, we must first clarify the background of Anderson's study before outlining his methods. Driving Anderson's research is the principle of hegemony, that social groups operate as hierarchies beneath a hegemon, an individual group or ideology which, consciously or unknowingly, oppresses those beneath it. The June 2012 Journal of Social and Personal Relationships argues that monogamy has for centuries held a hegemonic dominance over non-monogamies. In their book, Sex at Dawn, which has nothing to do with Twilight, Drs. Ryan Christopher and Cecilda Jatha clarify, While it is possible to love more than one person, monogamist societies frame it as inferior or morally wrong. Even the term non-monogamy implies dominance by framing alternatives as other. Anderson's study offers a more balanced perspective. In a January 7, 2012 interview with the Huffington Post, he explains that his study approaches monogamy from a rational lens rather than a moral one. Along with a research partner, Anderson interviewed 240 heterosexual white male students from the University of Bath, ages 18 to 20, who had been exclusively monogamous in relationships for at least three months. Questions focused on participants' desire to cheat and, if they had cheated, feelings toward partners before and after having done so. The BBC News of January 12, 2013 defends Anderson's intentionally limited design as an effort to boost the study's ethos. The scientist argues that, by minimizing the effects of confounding variables like race and sex, His study reaches more conclusive results about cheating behavior in the participant group. Currently, scholars at the University of Bath, Purdue, and Rutgers are modeling new research sparked by Anderson's findings. Results about the monogamy identity, why we cheat, and infidelity's effect on relationships in the study. First, 60% of participants confessed to cheating but 100% of the men vehemently maintained an identity of monogamy to their partners, Anderson, and others. To these men, emotional infidelity, not physical infidelity, was associated with cheating and non-monogamy. Researchers arrived at the conclusion that within this population, contrary to definition, monogamy and recreational sex are not necessarily exclusive. Additionally, men in the study conflictingly regarded both their desire to uphold monogamy and their sex drives as natural. 
In 2012, the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University found that while men generally have a higher drive for recreational sex than women, it's unclear whether this discrepancy is biological or social in nature. Men in this study held a common view that cheating was better than seeking an open relationship because, as one man articulated, at least with cheating, there is an attempt at monogamy. Anderson's study highlights our clear lack of understanding and the need for further research to fill the existing knowledge gap on genetic and social influence in human sexual behavior. Anderson's last finding was that infidelity resolved the dissonance participants associated with the monogamy gap. Several men testified that by fulfilling their desire for recreational sex, cheating even once allowed them to continue their relationships, directly countering the notion that exclusive partnerships promote monogamous ideals. Affirming this notion, and perhaps most interestingly of all, men who cheated, on average, stayed with their partners almost twice as long, citing increased feelings of attachment and appreciation as their reasons for staying with partners. So, monogamy failed the men in Anderson's study. It failed for Kristen Stewart. But NPR contends on February 2nd, 2013, that despite any challenges, monogamy remains the most socially acceptable form of romantic coupling. Anderson asserts that this privileged hegemonic position exempts the practice from critique, and therefore it's paramount to understand three important implications of his study for navigating romantic relationships, reframing cheating's relationship to love, and finally, for the twilight of monogamy. According to a personal interview with sociologist Dr. Ada Calhoun, acting on a desire for recreational sex does not inherently kill relationships. She argues it is a lack of communication and the often unstated expectation that a relationship must restrict sex. To her, Anderson's study evidences that feeling victimized by casual sex outside a relationship is a socialized response stemming from the stigma against infidelity. The New York Times reports on September 14, 2012 that couples in the most successful and enduring relationships, open or monogamous, foster closeness and facilitate their insecurities. All of this reinforcing a truth which is sometimes overlooked, that healthy relationships require effort, intimacy, and trust, not just the promise of exclusivity. Next, cheating is framed in name and definition as a dishonest act. But this study supports that cheating does not demonstrate a lack of love. Anderson has been criticized by monogamists as a promoter of infidelity, but argues that given monogamy's hegemonic dominance, we must consider alternative explanations. The participants in Anderson's study were socially, legally, and morally free to leave their partners in pursuit of recreational sex. But none did. In her book, Sex, Dating, and Relationships on Campus, author Kathleen Bogle argues that a majority of men who cheat do so to obtain recreational sex, and the Huffington Post of September 12, 2012 verifies that just 5% of all cheaters in a study of 1,000 were motivated by a lack of love, or love for a new partner. And so, while it is always dishonest, 
Anderson's study forces us to acknowledge the possibility that love and cheating can and do coexist. Finally, commitment to a partner and sexual freedom are traditionally polar values. But increased social pressure for recreational sex is closing the monogamy gap, blurring the line. Anderson argues we are bound for failure if our culture continues to strive for liberal sexual ideals while simultaneously espousing monogamy. In a May 10th, 2012 interview with The Guardian, he contends the increased availability of sex, the ability to have it earlier and more often, alongside the panoply of pornography available on one's computer or cell phone, all make monogamous sex less appealing than in the past. The 2012 journal Sexuality highlights that, by comparison over the last decade, non-monogamous couples have enjoyed the lowest divorce rates and joins a growing body of research which suggests that successful monogamy may be a thing of the past. If current trends continue, it could realistically be time for our culture to move on from monogamy. And while change is hard, we have to decide which is more important our traditions, or the values they claim to promote. The final installment of The Twilight Saga closes with Edward and Bella sharing perfect marital bliss until, presumably, forever. If only happy endings were that easy. In Understanding the Monogamy Gap, we delved into Eric Anderson's research, the results, and their implications for relationships now and in the future. And while the study offers no specific advice for Twilight's lovelorn couple, it urges us to reconsider monogamy, its alternatives, and to think twice about what truly constitutes a happy ending. Evan performed this piece while at Eastern Michigan University. Special thanks to him for recording his speech. I'm Matt Weibel, and this is Loudspeaker. <laughs>